Welcome. Well, that's the way I talk now. Keep that in. Welcome <laughs> to the Judge. Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm your host, Lady Sleuth Jessica Fletcher from Cabot's Cove in Maine. Only part of that is true. I'm your Judge John Hodgman, and I'm not in Cabot's Cove, but I do come to you from the very special chambers, my summer chambers that I thought I might never see again. The studios, the solar-powered studios, if you will, of WERU-FM, Community Radio 89.9 FM in Orland, Maine, 99.9 in Bangor, Maine. Joel Mann, how do you say Bangor? Bangor. Bangor. Not banger, right? No. Bangor. Do you know anyone who says banger, Maine? Yeah, a lot of people do. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Well, you're not originally from Maine. Do you think no. native Mainers say mm-hmm. Bangor or Bangor? Bangor. Yeah. Bangor. And, and, and it's not even Bangor. It's Bangor. B-A-N-Gor. Bangor. That's how the natives say it. Bangor, like Bangor. we can't have gory movies anymore. Bangor. <laughs> right. Like uh, the former vice president is not allowed in these studios ban al gore boy he, but was, he is he was wrong wasn't he <laughs> no he he's allowed he's allowed because these studios are solar powered <laughs> high high energy efficient heat pumps installed i've watched this studio go from a dilapidated dirt dirty fuel shack to a high efficiency solar powered shack Right here on the Acadia Highway. And it's nice to see you across the glass, uh, Joel Mann, here in Maine. Good to see your blurry vision. I didn't think I would be able to come back here at all. Um, But, you know, I'm not on the schedule this week, so they gave me special leave. I'm acting in a a Hulu show called Up Here. Just that's a little pre-plug for the show, Joel. When's that going to be released? Sometime in the future. Because I'm about to cancel Hulu, so I want to... <laughs> don't cancel. Everybody, don't cancel Hulu. Now's not the time. Hulu's got some great shows on it. It's got Up Here, forthcoming. It's got Dicktown, forthgoing. Both seasons. And lots of other great, great, terrific programming. You heard a laugh there. I'm not merely joined by Joel, the main man man today, but also... Another, a New England reunion that I didn't think would happen again this summer. Of course, you're listening to this probably in the very early stages of fall. But it's Monty Belmonte down at WRSI FM, the river in Northampton, Massachusetts. Hello, Monty. Hello. And you pronounced all of those place names absolutely correctly. I'm so glad. It's Northampton. Northampton. Yes, there's only one H. Northampton. But it has double duty as opposed to Amherst, which has one H but does nothing. Amherst. And we just we had we had a little chit chat together remotely, all of us together on our New England episode recently. But since I am back in New England for a time, I'm like, yeah, there's my family. This is what I came back for. Let me see how quickly I can get to WERU. Yeah, to hang out with Joel and Monty again. Joel, you said that you have a you had a, a, a Martha Stewart sighting here in Maine. Yes, uh, playing uh, down at Havana's in Bar Harbor last night, and she came in. And sat about five feet away from us, gave us a $20 tip and said, thank you. You're talking wow. about you you and your jazz trio, the night and day trio. We're, lay, we're laying down some some jazz tunes at the Havana restaurant yep. in Bar Harbor, Maine. Yep. And she gave you a $20 tip. And said, thank you. Just a jazz tip. 
Yeah. yeah. She improvised that. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. You know what also is incredible? What? The Google reviews section for uh, the Havana restaurant in Bar Harbor, Maine. Yeah. Well, one of our <laughs> DJs uh, made uh, the Obamas uh, their cocktails when they visited a couple years ago. That's wow. true. Yeah. So Barack Obama Monty and the former president, Barack Obama, and his wife and whole human being in her own right, Michelle Obama, attended dinner at this restaurant called Havana in Bar Harbor, Maine. And I'm... I haven't eaten there. It's supposed to be good. Very good. I'm not plugging it one way or the other, but I'm definitely plugging the Google reviews section for that particular because there are only a few there are only a few restaurants in the world. Well, probably more than there should be, which should be zero. But there are only a few that I've ever found where the owner fights back. <laughs> do you know the owner of that restaurant? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, he's mixing it up in there. Yeah. If you if you drop a one star or a two star or even a three star rating. He will be up in your business on Google reviews. I got to I got it before the end of the program. Jennifer Marmer is also here with us there in lovely Los Angeles, California, nowhere in New England at all. Jennifer, hello. Hello. We're going to get to the justice in a minute, but I need you to set a reminder before the end of this episode. Make sure. And this is a tease. This is what keeps people engaged. Make sure I look up the name of the restaurant in Venice where the owner fights back. Because right. that's an incredible ride. Because not only, not only is this person, and I, I, don't, I applaud owners who fight back. It's very interesting for me to read. I'm not sure it's going to help them in the in the long term. But people, are, you know, if you start a restaurant, you're not doing it for money. You have a passion, and people question your passion, and you want to get in the comments. Don't ever get in the comments, no matter what you do. But if you do, make sure I know about it because it's fun to read. The best part about this restaurant in Venice, Italy is that all of it is Google translated or or he's writing in English himself but it's it goes through a a whole different distortion it's like it's like listening to uh, uh Yelp reviews th- through a distortion pedal it's incredible make a note of that but we do have some justice to dispense on the docket and Monty you are shall be my designated summertime fun time good time all around need to see you again soon bailiff Why don't you read the first case? Here's a case from Dana in Jupiter, Florida. I have a bone to pick with my bosses, a married couple who are the chef owners of the restaurant where I work as a server. All of the items on the menu center around meat or fish, with one exception, a vegetable and tofu stir fry. Given its uniqueness, one might logically assume that this dish is vegetarian or even vegan. However, I recently glanced at the recipe and discovered that it contains... Oyster sauce. Oyster Mm. sauce, they say with three exclamation points. My bosses say all Asian stir-fries contain fish or oyster sauce. They also Mm. said, quote, it barely has any oysters in it. I argue that vegetarians are not the only people that would object to eating oyster sauce. Those with shellfish allergies and religious objections come to mind. Please order my bosses to remove oyster sauce from this dish or create a different dish that is not deceitful. (laughs) <laughs> deceitful dish do you think that's the, i don't know the name of the restaurant in jupiter florida do you think it's called the deceitful dish that would be terrific i'd eat there i would totally go to the deceitful dish joel would you go to the deceitful dish in a minute uh dana you're not wrong if i were a vegetarian and i was eating oyster sauce without knowing it i'd be upset if i had a shellfish allergy i'd be upset if i had a, a diet or religious or theological or otherwise where I'm not 
I choose not to eat oysters, I'd be upset. I'll tell you one more reason not to eat oysters. One that's very close to my heart, but more closer to my big toe. You know what it is, Monty? Gout. Gout is correct. Gout. Have I talked about the gout already? I can't remember if that was in real life or on the, on the show. That's how good a I show this is. I don't think it was on the show. <laughs> don't think it was on. Joel, did I talk about gout on the show? I think so. You, you think so, Joel? I remember you talking about gout, but I can't remember <laughs> past that. Look, you know what? It's the disease of kings. It's associated with eating very rich foods and living, living very well in aristocratic life because aristocrats used to get gout all the time. And, uh, and I got it, and I got it hard right there in my right big toe about three weeks ago. It was miserable. And because it is the disease of kings, I hereby royal decree say, I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> Here's a fun fact about gout. You know what it causes it, Joel? I thought it was too much beer. Too much beer is a problem. Yeah. What else, Monty? What else causes gout? Rich foods. Rich foods, they say. Let me tell you what causes gout. High uric acid levels. I told you ah. this was a fun fact. Yep. Fun, right? Totally. Here's some, here's some more fun. What happens is if you have too, too much uric acid in your blood and your liver can't process it and your kidneys can't process it or whatever, your great filter organs, and it just hangs around in your blood, all that uric acid gets together and says, hey, we have an idea. Let's form ourselves into hard, sharp crystals. And then to lodge ourselves into the big joint of the big toe. Almost always the big joint of the big toe for some reason. They pick it. And then all of a sudden, you've got a war going on between these sharp uric acid crystals and your immune system. And you can't walk and you feel bad. And what causes high uric acid levels? Well, they say purines, some kind of substance in certain foods. Certain foods like red meat. Certain dr drinks like beer and alcohol. Certain foods like Oysters, shellfish, Joel. Mm. Can't eat the scallops. No tofu stir fry. Right. Not if it, if it has oyster sauce in it. I mean, I don't know. It's a very little. Truly, there's very, very little oyster in oyster sauce. But it just, you know, I almost got a gout flare up just reading this letter. You know what, Monty, they say alcohol. Beer is the worst thing you can drink if you have gout. But alcohol overall is high in purines. Here's the thing. If you go to an American website about gout, they will tell you, you, will ne you can never drink again. If you go to a British website about gout, they say, you might want to consider one or two alcohol-free days a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to that .co.uk websites. That's where Absolutely. I'm going. Absolutely. But the other thing about it is that it's genetic, and I think probably a lot of aristocratic families in Europe got it because they're usually male parents and, and grandparents have it because it's more, more cis guys than cis women get gout. This comes out in September. We're recording it at the end of August. It's International Gout Week, I've decreed, by royal decree. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, Dana, you got a point. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't want to eat oysters without knowing about it or eat oyster sauce without knowing about it. That said, the, the boss has got a point too. They're fighting back in the comments. Many, many, many Asian stir fries have oyster sauce. What do you think should happen in this case, Monty? Is this deceitful, first of all? I don't think it's intent deceitful, which would mean that they are meaning to be 
deceitful, I think. I think what this is, is they could clarify that it has oyster sauce in it, perhaps with a little asterisk or whatever, um, and not sure. it shouldn't say that it is vegetarian or vegan on the menu. If it does, then it is deceitful. If it just says, you know, Asian stir fry and doesn't go into the very specifics of every single ingredient, I think that's actually fine. But they might, out of courtesy, because people do have shellfish allergies, want to let course. people know. But usually what most restaurants do say, if you have any allergies to specific foods, please tell your server. So I don't know. Joel, I can't eat halibut either. Cold water fish. That's terrible. All the foods that are good for, you know what I'm supposed to eat? Peanut butter sandwiches on Wonder Bread. (laughs) Who's your doctor? (laughs) Yeah, for gout. (laughs) They even call, like you go to websites, they say eat a lot of carbohydrates, but not too much whole grains. (laughs) <laughs> like honestly it's like a 1950s diet like i'm supposed to eat white bread when nuts are okay low purine i'll get it figured out i've i've been three weeks gout free i'm feeling pretty good you never know when it might flare up the point is i think that you're right monty and i think that dana ultimately is on the writer side of right in the in regards to if all the items in your menu contain la viande the meats or les poissons the fish, and then you've got one veggie and tofu stir fry, I would think a vegetarian could easily be fooled into thinking that this is the alternative. Tofu is a pretty heavy signifier of, uh, yeah, this is this is the one for you, vegetarian or vegan. Solution. There are many oyster-free oyster sauces, mock oyster sauce. Um, they they make it with uh, with mushrooms. It adds an umami flavor, the the oyster sauce. So they simulate it with mushrooms. Another thing I can't eat with gout, no mushrooms. Come on. But definitely try some no oyster oyster sauce or you put it on your menu. This stuff has oyster sauce in it. And I would suggest, you know, look, this is just a, re- a recommendation, bosses, of the of the deceitful dish in Jupiter, Florida. Put a real vegan thing on your menu. I mean, in addition to the stir fry, which I bet is delish, just put a real vegan thing on there so no one can, because you're going to get letters. You're going to get comments and you can't fight them off in the comments. You can't fight them all off in the comments. You shouldn't be in there at all. Put a real vegan dish on there. Hodgman, may I have a brief restaurant related sidebar and Hulu plug at the same time? Mm, Only if we skip the next case. In which case, yes. All right, forget no, it. No, I want to hear. I want to. I want to hear it. Okay, I was watching the brand new Hulu show, The Bear, and yeah. my son Enzo That's is right, our the go-to. The Bear is on Hulu. Is like my son Enzo is the one I say, "Who is this person? And what was she in before?" Look her up on IMDb, and I was like, "No, it's not the voice from Big Mouth. It's none of those things." No, you're talking and about Iowa Debris. Who I hung out with because of you at Solid Sound for like hours. And I was like, oh, my God, she's an excellent human being in real life. And she's the breakout star of that wonderful show. Sidebar concluded. Incredibly funny stand-up comedian. Uh, Hats off. off, And I am wearing a hat, but I'm not taking it off to Paul F. Tompkins because I said, I'm out of the loop. I've been I've been I've been hiding. I haven't been out in the world seeing comedy. Is there anyone you recommend for Solid Sound? He recommended Iowa Debris and. She came and performed at Solid Sound with her dad, who's just the charmingest guy. They were both and amazing. She, and she was super charming, super funny, an incredible actor and in a, in, a, in, a sh- in a show that I enjoyed quite a bit on Hulu. Hulu is where you see Dicktown, 
up here. That's where you get all your Hulus. Don't cancel it, Joel. Have Don't I cancel it. Yet? Reservation Dogs, yeah. the Wu-Tang show. Oh, Reservation Dogs is also incredible. We're going to take a quick break to hear from this week's partners. When we come back, we'll have actual cases to clear on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. We are back. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast coming to you live on digital audio tape from the studios of WERU Community Radio in Orland, Maine, connected via technology 
to the studios of WRSI-FM 93.9 on your frequency modulation dial in Northampton, Massachusetts, with Joel, the main man man, running the board up here in Maine, and summertime, fun time, guest bailiff Monty Belmonte, connected to us from the Pioneer Valley of Massachusetts. Monty, justice delayed is is still justice. <laughs> Let's read that one about the Lion King now. Here's something from Faith, location unknown. Hmm. It is commonly understood that Disney's The Lion King is a loose retelling of Hamlet. My friend Alex says no. He contends that the story of usurping brother and avenging prince is common enough that you may as well say all stories with those devices are based on Hamlet. I argue that most of them probably are. Moreover, the creators of The Lion King admit to noticing similarities to Hamlet during creation of the movie and decided to lean into them. Please rule that Alex must admit that The Lion King is a retelling of Hamlet. Did you call it Hamlet there for a minute? I did, if I did, I didn't mean to. I love it. Hamlet. It's like when my son calls the tablet a tablet. A tablet. Oh. That's so cute. He is, that's a, you have a very cute son. Tell me about it. I don't need to because you're living with him all the time and my children are grown and I've never felt freer. <laughs> but I do, miss, I do miss their little selves quite a bit too. Okay, let's talk about The Lion King. Did, I've never seen it. What? Uh, I've never seen The Lion King. Have you seen The Lion King, Joel? Never have. Not the what? animated or the live action ish ha- version? Nor Hamlet. <laughs> Monty, well, you, you kept saying lo- Les Poissons. I almost burst into Little Mermaid lyrics. So this is kind of my wow, wheelhouse of Disney movies. So Yeah, well, you, I mean, you can sing me, oh boy, shout out Les to Ricardo. Poissons, Les Poissons. My, one, of the, one of the incredible costumers on uh, up here who's constantly, every time he brings me my suit jacket, he's, he's singing a different Little Mermaid song and he's got a great <laughs> voice. <laughs> I don't. But yes, I've seen The Lion King, but I have not seen the live action Lion King. But I did watch... Black is King, which is essentially Beyonce's soundtrack to the live-action Lion King, and is amazing. Cool. And have you ever seen Hamlet? I have seen Hamlet. There are some famous similarities between these stories, in that Hamlet is about a young prince <laughs> whose father is, this is a giveaway, murdered. Spoiler. His ghost, his dad's ghost comes and says, uh, I was murdered. Do you know that uh, Shakespeare invented that phrase? He made murdered. up so many words and phrases. Yeah, he made up ghost talk. I was murdered. Oh, avenge <laughs> me. And then Hamlet puts it together that uh, his uncle Claudius is is responsible for the murder and did it, poisoned him and put put some poison in his ear or something. And then Hamlet pretends to be, you know, out of his mind for a while and stuff happens. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were there, too. That's the plot of Hamlet. So if you're writing a book report this week, kids, there you go. Make sure to quote me. Cite me. And in The Lion King, how much of that happens in The Lion King? Monty, you love this movie so much. Tell me. The prince's father is murdered by the uncle. And there are two uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Esque comedic characters that uh, that Simba hangs out with. Timon You're and talking Pupa. about Hakuna and Matata. Yes, <laughs> I know that. You much. knew that. I know that. Apart much. from that, 
that is a, that's about it. There's no nothing rotten in the state of Denmark. There's no holding up a skull in alas, poor Yorick. Is there a bird in that one? I'm sure Jennifer there is. Marmer, you're nodding. I can't remember the bird's name. Yeah, Iago. No, 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 no that's, that's Aladdin. That's in Aladdin. That's Aladdin. Yeah, that's. But there is a bird. Uh, there is a bird. I know my friend Adam Stein, who's an actor and a, a television writer. Zazu played oh, yeah, Zazu, Zazu on Broadway yeah, for a while. Every now and then I think about the fact that I know someone who played a bird on Broadway just for like a summer job. Like just they, the thing's been going on for so long. They just run through everybody. Not that Adam is an incredibly talented Zazu. I'm sure he's a great actor. But I mean, it's just like, does everyone do a stint? It's just Broadway. It's, we'll talk more about that later. My friend's brother was the original Lumiere on Broadway. So there you go. Are we? Peter Flynn. Oh, how about that? He, 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 was, he was the, uh, the new Orbach. Right? Wasn't Jerry Orbach Lumiere? Yep. Yeah. All right. Anyway, theater talk. We'll save that for later. The point is, oh, this is my question, Monty, as the expert on yeah. The Lion King. Not an expert. Does Simba, the main character, the Ham- Hamlet character, pretend to be insane for any period of time the way that Hamlet does? I think I, that you hearing me say Hamlet might have been like a delay on Zoom, by the way. <laughs> I don't call it Hamlet. That's what it's called now, (laughs) Hamlet. And no, he doesn't get insane, but he does slack off for an awfully long time in the Hakuna Matata phase, eating bugs and things instead of killing with his liony teeth, the liony type things that lions usually eat. He kind of goes vegetarian, but they don't tell him about the oyster sauce. This is what I this is what I found out using the internet. First of all, I went to a website belonging to the University of Adelaide in Australia. Nine reasons why the Lion King is basically Hamlet and one reason it probably isn't. Simba is a prince. His uncle kills his dad. Uh, Timon and Pumbaa are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Rafiki is Horatio. These are the similarities. Then it goes on. But the one, <laughs> the one thing, the one way that they... I really love the. I, I wish I could go to the University of Adelaide. It's got to be a fun place to go because it's really made me laugh. The one, after they go through this whole thing, they said the one reason, the one thing that it, it definitely does not have in common with Hamlet, one reason, the Lion King is full of lions. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've never seen a production of Hamlet staged only by lions. And I also went to OprahDaily.com because that was the first website that was I was able to confirm that Faith is correct. Uh, the co-directors of The Lion King, Roger Allers and Rob Minkoff, uh, gave an interview to Blu-ray.com. By the way, that's Blue-Ray.com if you want to find that. And this was an <laughs> interview in 2011. Like, I, uh, maybe you're not busy or anything, but Roger Allers and Rob Minkoff, you don't have to give interviews to blue-ray.com. But they did. And they, they pointed out, like, they originally, this is the first Disney animated film that was not based on a, a prior fairy tale or IP. It was, it was threatening to become an original story, but they caught themselves because someone noticed that this was, someone in the room noticed this was very similar storyline to Hamlet. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We like that. Let's make it. Let's make it as Hamlety as possible. And in one original ending of this film, apparently, Monty, the, 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 this didn't make it into the film. Simba dies. Whoa. They had one version of the film where Simba dies and then Scar dies afterward. And 
that's true tragedy. That's true Hamlet, Hamlety. Everyone dies. But in fact, Scar says to a dying Simba, good night, sweet prince, or something like that. A real, a real Hamlet quote. But they backed off of that for obvious reasons. Wow. So I got to say, Faith, that your friend Alex is full of iron poop because, yeah, there is, this is definitely based on Hamlet. Now, here's a question. Alex contends that there are so many stories based on a, a pretend insane avenging nephew killing his father's brother or seeking revenge against his father's brother. That's so common that we can't say that anything is based on Hamlet. Uh, I don't know. How many stories like Hamlet can you think of, Monty? The Lion King? Yeah. If listeners out there, if this is a common trope in movies and television where a person's parent is killed by their sibling and then they seek revenge, let me know. But I don't think I don't think Alex got a leg to stand on. Here's something interesting, though. It is true that Hamlet is based on Hamlet. Did you know that? I figured. It was, it was cribbed. It was cribbed. Shakespeare cribbed Hamlet from an ancient Scandinavian legend that was first written down, and they believe that he read it in a in a big book of Scandinavian myth and legend that was written by the incredibly named Saxo Grammaticus in the year 1200. And apparently is a very common legend of Amleth, A-M-L-E-T-H, or as you would say, Monty, Amleth. Right. Who was, who, who basically was a young prince whose father was killed by his brother and he sought revenge and he pretended to be insane in order to make him seem less threatening to his uncle so he himself would not be killed. And Amleth himself is an avatar of the even older hero's folk trickster trope, which goes back well before Saxo Grammaticus ever put a put a quill to papyrus or what, however they were doing it in 1200. I don't know. In any case, there's nothing new under the sun, Alex. One more thing about faith. I just want to bring this up because you, you got to, Joel, you got to have it. You got to have faith. Got to have it. Faith has, it turns out, has been a faithful correspondent to this podcast multiple times before because I was looking up to find out where faith was from because I, I didn't know. And, uh, and 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 it turns out I don't know Faith's pronouns either, so I'm going to say they. They 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 have not revealed where they're from, so Faith let me know, but they have written several times, including one of the best letters this podcast ever got, and we talked about it way back in the beginning of 2021 when I used to basically be live here. Joel, hmm. remember how I used to live here? Yeah, downstairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Faith was the one Monty who wrote in saying, and I'm just going to read this back into the record because it's such a great letter. I'm an engineer for a medical device design consulting company. And as such, a lot of the details of my work are confidential due to client NDAs. And when I talk evasively about what I'm working on, I end up having to say some weird statements such as one customs wouldn't let me through with our dot, dot, dot prototype Two, our device isn't making the building shake anymore. So that's nice. <laughs> and three, I got stuck in the blood room again. <laughs> this leads their friends Lowe and Marion to suggest that Faith is a spy, but Faith isn't a spy. If you're still working there, Faith, uh, I hope you don't get stuck in that blood room again. That was one of the great, was one of the great letters of all time. And yeah, Faith, I got it. 
people can be out ice fishing and get stuck on a on a loose ice flow. It does happen, apparently, Joel. Apparently, heard, in, yep. yeah. Apparently, in the Great Lakes, of course. Of course, it's the Great Lakes. You go out on Lake Superior, that ice flow will separate. But it's got to be too late in the season to be ice fishing if there's if you can see water around. Anyway, it happens. Faith is one of the many people who wrote me about that. Thanks, Faith, for writing in. I hope you uh, I hope you got out of the blood room. Here's something from Stephanie from Parts Unknown. In my husband's family, they blow out birthday candles and then start singing happy birthday. Whoa. They swear it's a Philadelphia Jewish thing. Sadly, I noticed this at my son's first birthday party and was shocked. I didn't see the signs beforehand. Please order them to follow the rest of humanity and sing first. Oh, so let me get this straight. In the tradition of Stephanie's husband's family, who I I guess come from a Jewish community in Philadelphia, the tradition is bring out the cake with candles, blow out the candles, then sing happy birthday. Have you ever heard of this before, Monty? Never. Joel, have you ever heard of this before? When do you when do you sing happy birthday? Beforehand, always. Like when you're bringing the cake out yeah. with the candles, yeah. right? And what does it sound like when you sing it? Well, I like it to be up tempo. Yeah, I'll give it. Let's, we, it's it's in the public domain now, so you can go ahead. Oh yeah, good. Sing it to my son Hodge Manillo. He just had a birthday. It's his birthday party tomorrow. Hodge Manillo. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday to you. What? What? <laughs> It's happy birthday just, to you, happy birthday. If you're going to even say it, you have to say it right. What, do you work at Chili's? <laughs> Your you, corporate won't let you sing the real happy birthday song by Mildred and whatever her name is, the the sister who wrote it? Happy birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Then make sure you drag it out so it's a dirge. Right. Happy right. birthday. Right. Get slower and slower to your Hodge Manilo. Happy birthday to you, Jennifer Marmer. Do you, when, what, do you celebrate birthdays in your home? Yes. How are you raising your child? Are you singing when the candles are lit or are you singing after the candles are blown? Uh, we sing when the candles are lit. Not post-blow? No. Pre-blow singing, correct? Correct. Okay. <clears throat> well, look, this is just a four-point data set. If you, dear listener are from a family where everyone sings after the candles are blown out, let us know. You can use the submission form, uh, which is maximumfund.org slash JJHO. And if it correlates at all with Stephanie's husband's claim that this is a tradition in the Jewish community in Philadelphia, I'd like to get that information as well. Um, But for now, I'm just going to say it it seems out of the ordinary. I'm going to withhold judgment Except I do want to point out, I really like this sentence that Stephanie wrote. Sadly, I noticed this at my son's first birthday party. <laughs> like, <laughs> what were you doing? I just love the, the the verb noticed. I just had this image of Stephanie sort of like on, on the couch with a cocktail staring out the window at the, into the middle distance of the yard, wondering when can I get out of this thing on her son's first birthday. And then gradually it begins to dawn on Stephanie that they're singing the song at a different time and kind of turns quietly and notices, sadly. 
See, I imagine Stephanie carrying the cake out to her son's first birthday party, totally lit, oh, but to a right. silent room, not knowing what to do. Right. And then all of a sudden, the one-year-old blows the candles out, and then everybody bursts into song, and Stephanie, I guess then, notices. It's terrifying. The picture I was painting was sort of like a, a midlife ennui novel. Yeah. What you're talking about is a horror movie. Yes. What if you had married this person and it, it, this is the first birthday for your, a child that you celebrated and you walk into the room and none none of his relatives are singing and you're just there going, ha, happy, happy, where's, what's going on, happy, oh, and then you blow it out. That's midsummer level weird. Stephanie's husband, I'm sorry I called your family midsummer level weird, but <laughs> maybe it's not true. Folks, write in and let me let me know what's going on. I also used to know the Olive Garden birthday song before they could do the regular birthday song in like restaurants like the Olive Garden. Do you know it? Will you sing it? From the pasta we make to lasagna we bake. Now, 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 now we're wishing you a happy birthday. That's all I remember. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks. That's a, thanks for putting a little life into it, unlike some people, Joel Mann. <laughs> happy birthday. Oh, there we go. I feel, I feel like I'm being carried <laughs> into my tomb when you sing happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say there, there's a really funny comedian on Instagram that you may know, but I hadn't until fairly recently. Lisa Gilroy, a, can, a Canadian actor and comedian. Boy, is Lisa Gilroy funny. And Lisa does a an imitation of a Chili's birthday song. Similar vein that is just, oh, it's a wild ride. You got to go check it out. Lisa Gilroy. <laughs> Can't it's wait. At, at the Lisa Gilroy. You can go check that out while we're on the break, but please be listening to our messages while you're checking it out. When we come back, a dispute that only one can decide, and that one is not me. What? Huh? It's murder. It's not murder. It's just something else. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Monty Belmonte, summertime uh, guest time, bailiff Monty Belmonte. This is the portion of the show where we talk about what we have coming up, what's going on 
in the world where people can connect with you. I know that you do a podcast version of your morning radio show at WRSI The River. Tell me about that. It's a compilation of all the talking that I do without the songs, without those pesky, pesky bits of music that our music radio station plays. It's called A Week of Mornings, and it's conversations with musicians and artists and wine people and astronomers and dictionary editors and lots of calls with listeners and things like that, U.S. Congress people, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find it where podcasts are available at A Week of Mornings. And we're going to mention your socials at the end of this program. Is there anything else you'd like to, to let people know about at this time? The Shea Theater, anything coming up at the Shea? Well, hopefully we'll do another holiday extravaganza at the Shea at some point now that the I pandemic do. is at a place where people are sometimes going to things. The pandemic is ongoing. I've, 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 I've ever said otherwise, I do apologize. The pandemic is ongoing. I hope that we're in a place by end of December-ish. Uh, where it would be safe and prudent for me to come visit you at the Shea. But there's there's stuff going on at the Shea all the time. What do you got, like the yes. mu- musics and shows and stuff? There's theater, there's music, there's comedy. It's a town-owned theater uh, that is run by a nonprofit that I'm a part of, and it is a, a joy to volunteer to be a part of it and to bring the arts to my little village. And, of course, we're here with you, Joel, at weru.org. Is how you find it on the uh, on the internet. Do you have a, a pledge drive coming up or anything? I just had a very successful pledge drive. Thank you, everybody. Oh. Yes. Okay. So I, let me let me give them the message. The pledge drive is over. If you were thinking about donating, don't. It's a waste of your time. Don't now. do it now. Don't do it now. No, you can always listen to WERU and and pledge if you wish. WERU.org, and you'll still be playing jazz into the fall. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, Pendagoet every Tuesday and Harborview every Sunday, and I'm on my back porch after four o'clock. After that, <laughs> the Pendagoet <laughs> Inn in Castine, Maine, and the Harborview is in Penobscot, Searsport. Searsport. Oh, yeah. oh, right. Okay, great. That's the new. That's the new spot. Yeah. Um, and you should do a lot. You should do a lot. I mean, I don't know if you'd get in trouble with culture if you started live casting your jazz songs. But I say that some Judge John Hodgman listener in Maine should go before the fall is out and, uh, and live stream a, a, a night and day trio set, or at least some highlights. I'm pretty sure the new owners of the Pentagon have been filming us, so that might be a look up their website. They might, yeah. might be no, I hear the I hear the Pentagon Inn has cameras everywhere. <laughs> I hear they have cameras everywhere, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, it's not a surveillance state, and it's a really nice place. Uh, in any case, let me just say this. Uh, this is the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. As you know, Dicktown is on Hulu. I'd really enjoy if you wanted to check that out. David Reese and I recently recorded a podcast with the great Ashley Ray, who is a person that yelled at me on Twitter about a thing that I was wrong about. And 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 I apologized. And we talked about talked it through and ended up neutral about it because I had never I didn't know her at the time. Um, now we're friends, and she independently, even even though she was mad at me, she checked out Dicktown on her own because she was like, "What is Hodgman even doing these days? Why should he even speak?" And she, uh, but she then said she saw Dicktown and she really enjoyed it. It's very rare that you make friends on Twitter these days, as opposed to <laughs> enemies. And I'm really glad to know Ashley, and um, she's an incredibly funny comedian and writer about television. And she has a podcast called TV, I say, with Ashley Ray. 
uh, on another podcast network. But uh, Google it. There are a lot of great conversations about television. You can discover a lot of shows that I'd never heard of, like uh, Frogger. Do you know what Frogger? Frog? Excuse me, not Frogger. Frogging. Do you know what Frogging is? What would you guess if I were to tell you that there's a TV, a reality TV show, unscripted show? in the kind of like America's Most Haunted Places style of dramatic reenactment called Frogging, and it's spelled P-H-R-O-G-G-I-N-G. Monty, what's your guess? Until you spelled it, I thought it might be like a live-action version of the video game Frogger. It is not that. All guesses are wrong. I'm not even... Joel, any guesses? The Life of Frogs? No, it has nothing to do with frogs, and I don't know what's what's called Frogging. Jennifer Marmer, you know this show? No. It's about people who discover that someone else is living inside their house. <laughs> yeah. The look on your face, Jennifer Mara, of sheer terror matches my soul when I heard about this show. It's a, and they do two, two cases. This is called frogging when someone lives in your crawl space or your attic without your knowing it. They do two cases of frogging per episode. They have a full oh season. God. I hate it. I didn't I know there like was this, this much frogging going on out there. That's why it's really good to have people like Ashley Ray out there uh, to uh, help clear up uh, what, the blind spots that you might have in this world. And you might not have known about frogging, and now you do. So so check it out. Uh, TV, I say, with Ashley Ray on another podcast network that might rhyme with Mirmulf. And uh, David Reese and I are talking about Dicktown, and we all have a really good time together. And we talk about all we talk about frogging. We talk about all the shows we've been watching, and it's a lot of fun. Also, make sure to check out David's podcast, Election Profit Makers. All right, let's get back to the docket. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast, Jennifer Marmer. What was the thing that I'm supposed to look up before the show ends and tell people? You're supposed to look up the Venice restaurant where the owner fights back. Okay, I've got it. I've got the restaurant, and I'll read it at the end of the show. Meanwhile, Monty, uh, recently I asked for cases that require expertise from specific friends of the court who are not me. Uh, So, for example, someone wrote in asking me if I would ask Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who have wrote the songs for Frozen, another Disney production, Frozen, uh, and they wrote, and they written a lot of songs for Disney. And this person wanted to know what is their opinion of uh, the song "It's a Small World" from the attraction at Disneyland and Disney World and all the Disney's all over. It's a small world. We'll see what happens. I'm going to meet them on the set of Up Here soon, uh, coming to your streamer in on Hulu soon. I'm going to meet them on the set and I'll ask them. Uh, and if you have other disputes for other friends of the court. Um, that that are very specific like that. You could you could ask. You can send in a dispute for Joel, a scallop dispute for Joel to settle, or a or a or a wine dispute for Monty to settle because you have your 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 wine expertise that you've developed on your on your morning radio show. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't have a drinking problem. Is the segment called Wine in the Mornings with Monty? <laughs> no, it's called the Wine Snobs. The Wine Snobs. Okay, send that one in. But meanwhile, here's one. From listener Emily. Emily writes in just before the one minute mark in the song Stay Alive from Hamilton, the musical. (gasps) Yay, Hamlet. One of your favorites. Joel, have you seen Hamilton? Hamilton? Hamilton. (laughs) Yeah, Hamilton. It's all based on the same thing. I can't believe it. This is the first time I've ever seen Joel smile. He's laughing so hard at his own joke. (laughs) uh, You deserve it, Joel. 
you had put that one. I mean, how how long ago did I say Hamilton? Uh, milliseconds ago, and you already had that one ready to go. That's incredible. Good job, Joel. Thank you. All right, in Stay Alive from Hamilton, one of the actors sings slash says, Chicka Plow, Chicka Plow. I've long argued that this is not a lyric, since it's not a real word, and is more accurately categorized as something like an acapella-style sound effect. My friends say I'm wrong. Am I? I don't know, Emily. What do you think, Monty? Chicka Plow, is that a lyric? in the song or something else you say i think if you were to look up the lyrics to this song from hamilton outrun outlast hit him quick get out fast it's gonna say chicka plow next if you look up the actual text of the lyrics and you don't have to because you've got this thing all memorized down pat because of you you were visiting western mass and you said i'm coming in january if your family does not know hamilton by the time we get there we will literally have nothing to talk about yeah. So we listened to it, and then it dominated two entire years of my life. Two years to the point of where I life. couldn't sleep at night, and I would have because a lyric would be running through my head. Yeah, and I had to memorize the whole thing so that catchy. I could sleep, so my brain would just continue to to plow through. I've, it has now happened again with Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, new Disney movie, Encanto. Encanto. Yeah, I have yeah. to do. I have to know all of the lyrics to Encanto, or I can't sleep, and I do. Well, I think I consider you to be a, a pretty reliable source on this, Monty. So I normally I would take your judgment as final, but we do have another source. Jennifer Marmer, please play <gasps> the tape. Hi, Judge Hodgman. Lynn Miranda here. Thank you, Emily, for your question. I do regret to inform you that Chicka Plow is indeed a lyric in Hamilton. To be sure, it is an onomatopoetic lyric. Washington says, hit him quick, get out fast. And Hamilton responds with the sound effect, chicka plow. Uh, But those are words I wrote out. Those are words that every Hamilton who performs in Hamilton sings in time. Um, It's not a moment where they can make whatever sound effect up they want. The lyric (laughs) as written on the page and written across the music is chicka plow. Um, I I thought this was a very common onomatopoeia poetic phrase. Apparently it's not, uh, but uh, it is what I think Hamilton would respond with. So it's a lyric in the show, um, even though it is not uh, an existing yet word. Um, hopefully it will become one. Um, that's the fun of getting to be a writer. You you sometimes get to make up language. Thanks, Judge. Big fan. First time caller. How about that? Chicka plow. I think it's the appropriate thing to say. That's a chick plow situation. Thank you, Lynn, for voice memoing in so swiftly with that justice. And Emily, I'm sorry that you're wrong, but now you know. chick plow Am I on a show with Lynn Manuel Miranda right now? Yeah, yeah you're on you're on you're on Broadway. You're on Broadway. My favorite part oh of God. his recording is uh him saying that every actor who plays Hamilton cannot just make up what they want to say there. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me sounds wonderful, and I, I remember, I remember that Lynn is a, a a big fan of the McElroy family of podcasts, and has frequently snuck in secret gestures as shout outs to the McElroys because they do a beep beep good job 
uh, thing, and you can't see you can't see us because it's a podcast, but it's like honking a horn quickly twice. Beep beep, good job. And Lynn has done this on talk shows. I kind of even feel like he did it at the Tonys, performing a song from Hamilton, something like that. So I'm just saying, like you know, look, Lynn couldn't be more of a supporter of the show. I don't want to do anything to undermine the work of art that is Hamilton, except it would be really funny to me as a secret shout out to Judge John Hodgman and all of its many listeners, including Lynn. If you're an actor playing Hamilton in any production, make something up instead of Chick a Plow. Do you think in that Christian version that they just did that they say Chick-fil-A instead of Chick a Plow? Chick-fil-A. Chick a Plow, that's the end of this podcast. The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Jennifer, thank you. Oh, Jennifer, I almost forgot. The name of the restaurant. Yeah. Okay, everybody, write it down. The name of the restaurant is Ristorante Riviera. Here's my here's my Google comment. Not a great name. Not very memorable. It's in Venice on the Fundamenta Zatari al Ponte Longo. And uh, the owner really mixes it up in the in the comments, including saying to someone who gave his restaurant a bad review, you, madam, are a liar. I love it. <laughs> Monty Belmonte and Joel Mann, what a pleasure it was to, to share time and, in our case, Monty Space. Uh, we're here at WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM. It is a community-supported, community-funded radio. Uh, I have here a, a, a piece of paper that has been put in front of me highlighting the mission WERU Community Radio is an independent, non-commercial educational media organization. The vision, WERU will empower and inspire individuals of our community by sharing diverse music information and perspectives. And the values, diversity, equity, and inclusion, civility and respect, social justice, a gallon of scallops, and always until the end of time carrying Harry Shearer's Le Show. Good job. Good job. Beep, beep. Good job. Joel, anything I miss on your mission statement there? No, that's about it. All right. Yeah. WERU.org if you want to become a supporter and a listener. And Monty, what's your mission statement down there at WRSI, The River, for your morning show? We don't really have an official one that sounds as good as that, so I just tell people it's low-minded humor for high-minded people. You can follow Joel at The Main Man on Instagram, and I encourage you to do that. Is that right, Joel? That's right. The Main, M-A-I-N-E, Man, M-A-N-N, no spaces or hyphens, I'm glad to say, The Main Man. Monty, where are you on social medias? I'm at Monty Belmonte on most things. Monty Belmonte on most things. That's Monty with an E. I'm at Hodgman on Twitter. I am personally on Instagram at John Hodgman. And of course, we as a podcast are on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman, which um, I'm going to say something, Jennifer Marmer, about that Judge John Hodgman account, which you are, which you are, you're holding down the fort over there. And currently... Because I'm a, I started, I started up a long time ago. I've got some more, more followers than Judge John Hodgman, but you're killing me in engagement. You're, do, it's not a competition, yeah. but you, but the Judge John Hodgman listeners are so engaged. So many more comments. So many more likes. Maybe that's because I'm only taking pictures of ceilings in Maine every five weeks over there on my regular thing. Go if you want a lively community. Go to at Judge John Hodgman. Subscribe over there. Uh, and make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets and posts and stuff. Hashtag JJHO. And also, if you want a lively community, check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode. Just go to Reddit and look up Maximum Fun. You'll find it. Hey, Monty, you know, uh, every, every week we ask for specific disputes. 
Disputes are currently pouring in for our big Halloween episode. Keep them coming. I want to have a big grab bag stuffed full of dispute candies for us to unwrap on air when it gets to be uh, it's murder time uh, all across uh, all across the Halloween observing world. Uh, also, by the way, if you have a dispute, for example, that only Aiden, our friend who curates his own museum of spirit Halloween stand-ups in his basement, uh, if you have a, a dispute that only Aiden can answer, send that in. What about some more musical theater disputes? That would be fun to hear. Is Lin-Manuel Miranda a good choice to play Roy Scheider in Fosse Verdon or the best choice? Uh, what's another musical theater dispute, Monty? Uh, is Cats worth it? Is Cats worth it? Which West Side Story is the best side story? Ooh. Hmm? How about that? We're also eager to hear about all of your disputes on any subject. No case is too small. No case is too big. Some cases are a little too medium, but I love reading them anyway, and I'll, and I'll write you back and let you know. So please remember to submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. This is Judge John Hodgman signing off from WERU saying good night, WRSI, FM, and all the ships at sea. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.